Thanks for joining us online for today's message from our Sunday morning service, where we are learning how to make disciples who love God, love others, and serve the world. We pray that you are encouraged and challenged. For more information about Wilmot Center Missionary Church, go to wcmc.ca. Now prepare your hearts for what God wants to speak to you today. God is good, amen? God is at work, amen? And God's got this, amen? He certainly does. God is moving, God is teaching, God is shaping, God is refining, God is renewing, refreshing, reinvigorating, amen? He is doing that as we follow the Holy Spirit with a clear purpose to be loving God, to be loving people, to be serving others. And as Clarence said, to be making disciples who make disciples. I am not going to say uh, really anything more about me uh, today. I will in a couple weeks. Some of my family will be here then. And so uh, thanks to Mark for uh, his kindness this morning and for praying for me this morning. Uh, also, there's a bit of a bio in the Connections newsletter, if you've read it or if you see that. And uh, that's, that's enough. Uh, but I will tell you briefly about what I will prioritize as an interim. And I'm not, um, I, I do have a, a presentation and it's, it's going to be here with the wonderful work of James and company. But anyhow, here, here are my priorities. Um, four main ones, we could say them different ways. Number one priority is to be praying. Amen? Uh, to be listening to the Spirit. To be led by the Holy Spirit, listening, praising, petitioning, uh, praying to God. Second one is to be planning, as Mark said, working with the leadership and planning together. Thirdly is to pastor, to pastor along with the pastors. And uh, that's something that uh, I'm just blessed to be able to do. And then to preach uh, three Sundays a month. Typically, I don't, I don't come on the fourth Sunday. I'm half time, and uh, so I'm not here all the time. Just FYI, I'm here most, I will be here most Tuesdays and Thursdays. Except this week, uh, I'll, I'll be away. But otherwise, usually I'll be in the office Tuesdays and Thursdays. I love the Lord. I care. I really care about His church. And I am privileged to serve wherever the Spirit leads me. Wherever it seems good to us and the Holy Spirit uh, to be serving Him, it's just a joy for me to do that. So let's... Uh, Let's pray together. Wonderful. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, you are the perfect parent. And you love us with a love that is, as, as has been said already, beyond measure, beyond understanding, beyond comprehending, but to be received. And so, Lord, thank you that we sit in the palm of your hand as loved and beloved by you. And Lord Jesus Christ, thank you for the perfect life and death and resurrection and who you are, that even now you remain, as it were, at the right hand of the Father, interceding for us as our very righteousness before the Father. And we thank you, Lord Jesus, that it is by your stripes that we are healed. And we want to follow you. 
And so help us, Lord, to know more and more what it is to follow you. And Holy Spirit, we are desperate without you. We are desperate without your leading. Help us not to try to fabricate your leading, but help us to be attentive to what you're really doing and saying and where you're wanting to take us. And we love you and we bless you. In Jesus' name, amen. For this month, uh, as we start our relationship, I have really been drawn to focus on the theme of worship. And uh, throughout the month of November then, uh, that's going to be our focus. Who God is and who God has called us to be, at least a little bit, we can only cover so much in three weeks, uh, to be worshipers. Uh, before, I, before I go further, let me just say, uh, I have enjoyed meeting with the elders. Uh, I have enjoyed meeting with the search committee once. I've met with the staff a few times. Uh, Wilmot Center Church has great staff, don't they? Yes, they do. Amen. And you have great volunteers, you know that? You can clap again. And I know that because I was here on Wednesday evening. I, I, I know a few people watched closely to make sure that, I, that the new guy was okay. They weren't sure who, who the guy was walking around pretending like he belonged. Um, but it was wonderful. Wednesday evening was great. What a wonderful uh, invitation to the community and uh, both the church community and the wider community to come together at a safe place. So for this month, we're going to focus on worship, just a taste, because we can do only so much uh, in three weeks, but a great place for us to start together with fresh passages of Scripture for me. You can tell by my hair, I've been around a little while, uh, but what we're going to talk about over the month of November are passages that I have not actually preached on before. The first four words of the Bible from the book of Genesis, which means beginning, the first four books, first four words of the Bible help us to put things into perspective. Will you say these words with me? In the beginning, God. One more time. In the beginning, God. That helps to frame and to put things in perspective and to put first things first. Amen? God is the beginning and the end. God is the Alpha and the Omega. God is the first and the last. God is the creator and the sustainer. God is the King of kings and Lord of lords. In the beginning, God. And so we start this morning right at the beginning. And Psalm 148 helps us to remember that. That's where we will be going. Our word worship comes from, used to be, this word worth-skip or worth-ship. And it has the idea, it indicates who or what is worth the most to us is what we worship. Worthiness, value, what is most important to us is what we are drawn to worship. And there are plenty of things and people that compete for our attention that want us to worship them, whether or not they even realize it. So this morning, with the help of Psalm 148, we will consider some of the wonder 
and the glory and the majesty and the power and the worthiness of God. We've been singing about all of those things this morning and our response to those things. Now, God has made himself known. Amen? God has made himself known. Graham Kendrick, uh, he was an old, I say old, he was a worship leader who wrote a bunch of songs, and uh, of, of praise songs, worship songs. And he wrote a book entitled Worship is a Lifestyle. And he tells the story of a young lad, maybe eight years old, and his mother decided that the two of them were going to go to church for the first time. He'd never been before. And so she got him all ready. And she put him on clothes that he had never worn before. And she, she combed his hair and, and put a part in it that had never been there before. And so they went into the car and they got into the car and they drove over to this beautiful old church building. And they went in the front doors of, or the front, the doors of the church building, and they walked in. They were at the back of the sanctuary, big, beautiful sanctuary, and it was just absolutely intimidating to him. It was huge, and it was cavernous, and it was nearly empty. And they walked in, and there were all of these benches. And so he followed his mother, and they, they walked up to a bench, and they went inside, and they came to their spot, and they sat down on the bench. And he just followed and, and, and did whatever his mother did. And, and so his mother, she pulled down a kneeler and she knelt down and she put her hands together. And so he did the same thing. He knelt down and he, and, he, and, he, and he held his hands together. And she had said to him, now you behave yourself. We're going to church. God is there. And I need you to be quiet. You don't say anything. But, but there he was beside his mother. And he wasn't sure what she was doing. But they were kneeling with their hands folded anyhow. And after what seemed like an eternity... He just couldn't keep quiet and he, and he pulled on her he pulled on her shirt on her sleeve and, and she didn't move and, and he pulled again and, and in a whisper loud enough for everyone in the room, the few that there were to hear, he, he said, Mommy, Mommy, who are we hiding from? God is not hidden. God is not hiding. And God has revealed himself. Amen? God has revealed himself. God has revealed himself in significant ways. God has revealed himself in creation. Romans 1.20 For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power, his divine nature have been clearly seen being understood through what has been made so that we are without excuse. Psalm 139, 7-10. Some of you may know these verses well. Where can I hide from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I take the wings of the dawn, if I dwell in the remotest part of the sea, even there your hand will lead me. Isn't that encouraging? Your right hand will lay hold of me. God has revealed himself in the written word. 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is inspired by God, profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. God has revealed himself through the living word who is Jesus, not only the son of God, but God the son. John 1.1 1, 1. 
in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And that is Jesus, the second person of the Trinity. And then there's the Rhema Word, the Holy Spirit. The Rhema Word is the spoken Word. Because the Holy Spirit continues to speak in numerous ways to our spirits. In John 16, 13, Jesus said to his disciples, But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak of his own initiative. But whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will disclose to you what is to come. And in Psalm 148, the psalmist, maybe David, the scholars aren't certain who wrote this psalm. But the psalmist invites all of creation to praise God because of the greatness of God. And the psalmist, whoever it is, he, if it was David, starts by literally turning his gaze to the stars, turning his gaze to the cosmos, describing and then bringing his gaze back down to earth. I invite you to read this with me. And please, not like subdued church folk, you know what I mean? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. I say this with the enthusiasm of the truth of what it is, will you? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise Him in the heights. Praise Him, all His angels. Praise Him, all His hosts. Praise Him, sun and moon. Praise Him, all stars and light. Praise Him, highest heavens and the waters that are above the heavens. Almost makes me want to go up there uh, into space and have a look around. It must be absolutely incredible. Some of it's terrifying, I understand. But God is that God of incredible power. God is not hidden. God is not hiding. God is revealed. God wants to be known. And God is deserving of so much praise. I can imagine the psalmist was inspired with this psalm. I can imagine that he was inspired at night. Maybe lying down, not having to worry about streetlights getting in the way to be able to see uh, into the night sky. Looking into the night sky and seeing this vast array of stars and saying, Wow! And then, without even realizing it, saying that same word backwards. <laughs> wow. This is an invitation to the heavens to, create, to praise the creator of all that is good. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise Him in the heights. Praise Him, all His angels and all His hosts. There are more than just angels in the presence of God. We understand that from John's vision and revelation, that there are these, these creatures, and we'll, uh, we'll remember them later too, how 24 hours a day, they are declaring, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. If people get tired of repeating songs and repeating choruses. Believe it or not, I think I heard one person complain about, not here, but someplace I did. I think we might as well just get used to it. Because the creatures, 24-7, are saying the same thing over and over and over again. You know why? 
I think because in the presence of God, we just can't help but be on our faces in wonder. And declaring the greatness and the wonder and the glory and the splendor and the majesty and the power and the dominion, the honor of God. How do the sun and the moon and the stars and the highest heavens and the rain, how do they praise God? Well, I I would suggest they praise God just by being. Just the absolute beauty and the wonder and the incredibleness and how God uses them in perfect order points us to the Creator. I can't imagine that there's not a designer behind it. There has to be. Creation helps us to praise God. Sometimes we need help to praise God, don't we? We find it sometimes it's difficult to praise God. And it's not something that we should try to fake. Because if we have trouble and and we're struggling, we need to be honest with God. But even Job, in his deepest, darkest moment, with all of the misery that he had to endure, he said, yet I will trust God. Now what I'm going to describe right next has often been a huge boost to my faith. I'll be honest, there, there are times when, when I am tempted to doubt. And, and these are the thoughts that I often go to that remind me, thank you, Lord. You are incredible. You are amazing. We look into the night sky and it's absolutely incredible and it looks like it could go on forever. So consider this, consider these thoughts. They come from Louis Giglio and and his talk entitled Indescribable. Some of you have probably seen it. This is a, a, a picture of the Milky Way galaxy. We live in the Milky Way galaxy and apparently this is a, a composite of hundreds of thousands of pictures that have been compiled together, photographs from NASA. How big is it? So we live in the Milky Way galaxy. How big is the Milky Way galaxy? We measure space by light years. Light travels at a speed of 300,000 kilometers per second. Light travels at 300,000 kilometers per second. So try to extrapolate that. So in one year, light travels nine and a half billion kilometers. That's one light year, okay? One light year, nine and a half billion kilometers is how far light travels. And the Milky Way galaxy is 100,000 light years across. That is just a whole lot of zeros. (laughs) Like it's really big. And our solar system apparently is located inside the Milky Way galaxy. And if we were to put our solar system and we were to bring it to size or down in size as a model and we were to, to say the Milky Way galaxy is the size of the North American continent, our solar system would be the size of a quarter. So, so indiscernible, really. 
a quarter in all of the North American continent. That's, the so, that's our solar system. And somewhere in that solar system is this little blue ball, the only known place where there is life living and thriving. The Milky Way galaxy, when we look up into the sky, the Milky Way galaxy contains billions of stars. And according to the Hubble telescope, guess how many galaxies there are. So we're talking, we've got well, well, one galaxy, 100,000 light years across. And one light year at 9.5 billion kilometers. You know how many galaxies there are? Um, yeah, a lot. Hubble has apparently taught us, NASA's learned from Hubble, that there are hundreds of billions. Hubble has measured at least 100 billion galaxies. Does that blow your mind? It blows my mind. That there are at least, at least 100 billion galaxies and if that is true, and there is a designer behind it all, and I believe there is, then that designer, who is God, must be, in the word of Louis Giglio, ginormous. And that is actually a word in my word processor, because I made it one. Let them praise the name of the Lord. Read this with me, will you? Let them praise the name of the Lord, for he commanded and they were created. He has also established them forever and ever. He has made a decree which will not pass away. So there was God at earth's creation, an earth minuscule, indiscernible in relation to the entire universe. There was God at earth's creation. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit hovering. The Father declaring by the word. And the Son fulfilling. And now holding all things together by His powerful word. And all across this unfathomable universe, God was and continues to superintend creation. So God's got this. I mean, God's got this. So I have no problem, personally, believing that God could create by His Word. Psalm 147, verses 4 and 5. Mark read those earlier. If there is a being big enough to be responsible for the existence of 100 plus billion galaxies, let alone this one amazing Earth, then that being is the most amazing Creator the most incredible artist, the greatest power ever imaginable. And then that being God must be able to even override the rules that we understand, that we call the laws of physics. He must be able to override them because he created them and carry out what we call miracles because God's the one who put the rules in order. Now let me illustrate. Suppose a, a person puts together a, a clever piece of science or a computer program to, to run by itself and, and pulls one ball and then they just start going and they, just, they would never stop. 
But the person who created that or the person who started them can simply put a finger or a hand in there and stop them. And it's like God with, with the universe, like God with the earth, that, that God, the one who did create the rules and the laws, God's able to override them and step in with miracles as he chooses. But he also holds his hand back so often because God is patient, waiting and waiting for us to truly follow and hear him. And he wants to do marvelous things. And so I believe that God, I have no problem with the idea that God created from nothing. That God could cause a miraculous virgin birth. That God could powerfully raise from the dead, among other things. Would you say with me, woo! (laughs) I do teach a a course on on worship and music at, at EBC. I have my class do that every week because they're really quiet and respectful. They're introverted like I am. (laughs) And we need to praise God. God is so much greater than we are. As Louis Giglio says, we need to right-size God. Not here, but here. That, and I have no problem believing that he could exist in one nature functioning in three persons. If God is that great to superintend over a hundred billion galaxies, over a hundred billion galaxies. And now the psalmist turns his attention from heaven to earth with the same invitation to praise. And I got to asking, why did, why did the psalmist start with the heavens and then move to earth? And the answer I got was maybe because it's in the heavens, that's where worship is done perfectly. In the presence of God. We get a picture of it in Revelation 4.8. This is it. The four living creatures, each one of them having six wings and full of eyes around and within. Day and night they do not cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, the Almighty, who was and who is and who is to come. So praise the Lord from the earth, sea monsters, and all the deeps. Praise the Lord, lightning and hail. Praise the Lord, snow and clouds, stormy wind fulfilling his word. Praise the Lord, mountains and all hills. We are blessed in our country to see all the seasons and the beauty and the power and the majesty and the wonder of God's creation. Praise the Lord, fruit trees and cedars. Praise the Lord, beasts and all cattle. And praise the Lord, creeping things and winged fowl. Verse 10, all of creation praising God. In all of these verses is a beautiful metaphor of the beauty of God's creation to be wondered at. And then that wonder and that praise to be directed back to God, the Creator. And who is God inviting to give Him praise? Who is God inviting to give Him praise? Verses 11 to 14. Will you read these with me? Kings of the earth and all peoples, princes and all judges of the earth, both young men and virgins, old men and children, Let them praise the name of the Lord, for His name alone is exalted. His glory is above heaven and earth. 
and he has lifted up a horn for his people, praise for all his godly ones, even for the sons of Israel, a people near to him, praise the Lord. God calls every class, from rulers to everyday people, from top politicians and the newly and, and, and repeatedly minted ones in our municipal government as well. He calls all of them and you and me, men and women, boys and girls, to praise him. You are invited. I am invited to praise God. Yesterday, Tarina, who is my wife, who, by the way, is one of God's most beautiful creations. Is it, am I, am I, is it okay that I can talk about my wife that way? She's my hero. Um, she'll be here in two weeks, and I can, I, can, I can dote on her then. Anyway, we were at Evergreen Christian Ministries annual meeting yesterday, being reminded of God's beautiful creation at Camp Mishawa and at Stainer Camp. And a couple provided uh, special music. It was, absolutely, it was beautiful. It was wonderful. And could you guess what one of them does for a living? It's an emergency room surgeon. On the platform, singing his heart out praises to God. Just reminding me that God invites us all. And what an inspiration to see people from all walks of life giving God praise from the depths of their heart. And from verse 13, I love the phrase, the glory of God. His glory is above heaven and earth. I yearn for the glory of God. We speak of giving God glory and honor and praise. And glory means that. We give God glory. And then there is the glory of God. And the glory of God, by definition, it could be defined different ways, but is the manifest presence of God. However God manifests himself is the glory of God. He did that back in the tabernacle with the the, the presence of cloud in the holy of holies. I yearn for that. I yearn for the evident working of the Holy Spirit among his people so that God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are not just concepts or doctrines or talking points, but they are, by the grace of God, tangible realities because they are. Amen. Verse 14, we're told that he has lifted up a horn for his people, and a horn represents a strong deliverer. And the psalmist understood that God being faithful would always provide a strong deliverer for his faithful people. And the strongest deliverer would be that second person of the Trinity, responsible for creating, who came to this beautiful earth, this little blue ball, so small in the Milky Way galaxy, the only known inhabited planet by us, beautiful but broken. Once pure, but now sin-stained. And he came and he lived a perfect life. And he made the sacrifice, the perfect sacrifice that none other could make. Spilling his blood and dying for our sins, taking the weight of sin itself upon himself and rising from the grave victorious which we'll be remembering soon with communion.
And Jesus said he will return one day. Revelation 21, 3 and 4, John recorded, I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among people, and he will dwell among them. They shall be his people. God himself will be among them. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no longer any death. There will no longer be any mourning, crying, or pain. And the first things have passed away. And so how are we to respond to the wonder and the glory and the majesty and the power and the worthiness of God? With recognition first. And a recognition that God is so magnificent and majestic. Some have called God holy other, W-H-O-L-L-Y, meaning that, that we need to remember that while we were made in God's image, we could not touch God with a candle of what God is able to be and do. And so we recognize the magnificence and the uniqueness of God. We, what happened here? I'm sorry. That's okay. We respond with recognition. We respond with wonder. Wonder at his greatness and his power and his perfection. We wonder at his creation and we respond with praise to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We respond with praise. We respond with sharing. The things that are most important to us, we're very happy to talk about with other people, right? If you have children, you have grandchildren, you probably don't have have trouble bragging on them. And so with our family, with our friends, in our life groups, with our co-workers as we're able, we share about the wonder and the glory and the majesty of God. And we respond also with thanks. Even as Mark reminded us earlier, what are some of the things that we're thankful for? As I wrap up, I've entitled uh, this message, Stop, drop, and behold. Because that is what we will do one day. I mean, that is what everyone will do one day when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. It's significant to me that in the Bible there are two words more than any others that are translated worship. One is in the Old Testament, it's a Hebrew word. One is in the New Testament, it is a Greek word. It doesn't matter what they are, but the translated worship. And both of those words very much have the idea of kneeling. They have the literal idea that worship includes kneeling before God or, or being prostrate before God. And yet we rarely kneel in worship, do we? before the unfathomable yet revealed God of creation. And I want to encourage you and me to sometimes kneel when we pray, when we sing, and when we sing about kneeling. Because kneeling is a posture of vulnerability, it is a posture of honor, it is a posture of respect. And we're going to share in communion in just a moment. And before we do, I'm going to pray. And I realize it's difficult because we have chairs in front of us, but I want to invite you with me to kneel as we pray. Can you do that? If you're not able, that's fine. I, I understand, particularly if, if you've got really bad knees. Uh, 
But I don't do this just as an exercise of something to do. I do it again because this is a posture of vulnerability and of honor before God. That we say before the Lord, Lord, I am I am yours. I am not in control, but you are. And so let's pray. Heavenly Father, God of the universe, Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord, and Holy Spirit, our comforter and our guide, thank you for your faithfulness and that you guide us into all truth. You are worthy of praise. You are worthy of glory. You are worthy of the declaration of your majesty and your power and your worth. Would you just give God praise now? Give him praise in your heart. If you want to give him praise verbally, you do that too. We just give for Lord, you are worthy. You are good. You are perfect. You are holy. You are the perfect father, a good, good father, the perfect parent. And yet, Lord Jesus, you are our friend and our Savior and our Lord. And we declare to you today that we need you desperately. And we give you thanks and praise that you love us with a deep, deep love. Guide us, Lord. Help us to to know more and more about who you are, what you do, and where you're taking us. Lord, be our guide. May we not get in the way. May I not get in the way. Lord, may we not be be operating and are driven by the flesh. But may we walk in the Spirit. May we be filled and filled again and continually filled by your Spirit. And as we come to this wonderful place of remembering you, Lord Jesus, at communion, thank you that you are here present with us for your glory and your honor. And all praise goes to you. And God's people say, Amen. Thanks for listening online with us. We trust you were encouraged and challenged by today's message. If you have a prayer request or an encouraging story about what God has been doing in your life, please email us at amen at wcmc.ca. God bless.